Welcome to the Muddy Waters of Freedom with your hosts, Matt Wright and Mohammed Shaker. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Muhammad was actually up earlier than me and ready to go before me, Shaker. I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Uh, you wanted to do the introduction, so I will allow you to take it from here. Okay, well, uh, today we have one of my newer slash good friends that I think he's going to be a good friend anyway <laughs> so far. We have fun on Facebook together. Uh, my friend Yehuda Remer, I think that's how uh, you say his name. Um, Reamer. 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 Yes. Uh, cool fact uh, in Arabic, Yehud means Jewish. Um, <laughs> he was born in LA, uh, lived in Israel. Um, he's a believer in chivalry, serious and dedicated, fun, personable guy. He's passionate about love and romance, which should be great for his wife. <laughs> uh, open, kind thinker. He is pushed to tell the true story, which might be what we're going to be talking about later, unless that's something else. Gorilla friendly, which I assume uh, is a reference to um, whatchamacallit. What's that famous ass gorilla meme thing? Harambe. Harambe. All right. I just lost a bunch of viewers now. <laughs> uh, likes John Wayne. Uh, he's got three children. Second Amendment advocate, troop supporter. Whatever adopted Texan mean, he can explain that. And he's a patriotic American. Welcome on the show, Yehuda Reamer. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Um, yesterday, I actually messaged Yehuda to ask him how to say his name. So oh. <laughs> I was like, can I get the phonetic sounding of your name? Yeah. And then we were talking. He's like, is this going to be video or what? And I said, we don't really have the technology to do the video, but uh, we'll probably just video call you in. So it's more like we're having a conversation. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out the video thing. It's, right. it's fun to look at you while we're it talking. Is. And he said his, his response was epic. He said, well, I can do audio or video. I'm game for both. My pretty bald head works wonders on video, and my sexy raspy voice is a hit on audio. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I like this guy so much. <laughs> uh, oh, we forgot to thank Lil Ted. Yeah, I was waiting on you. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Had, have you ever had kava before, you Yehuda? Have I ever had what? Kava. Kava, no. Okay. Well... Kava is an all-natural island drink made from the root of the intoxicating pepper plant. Um, it is used uh, in ceremonial uh, in ceremonies uh, in the islands like Vanuatu and Fiji and you know that kind of those places. Uh, and they use them in political discussions and in Pinellas business, County and Pinellas County. It's used <laughs> a lot in Pinellas County. Yeah, um, but they use them in uh, political discussions or business meetings. And uh, it's one of the traditions that they have is they will drink kava before these things to kind of show the community of the event. So we we like to start off every uh, show by having a drink of kava and uh saying bula which is a fijian term uh that means to long life and good health cool yeah so thank you to low sorry go ahead Drink one for me yeah. <laughs> we will trust us uh thank you to low tide kava bar for the kava that we drink on this and every show so thank you low tide and thank you jay i'm assuming 
I don't know who gave it to it you. It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Low Tide. Thank you, Jay. Uh, Bull. Bull. All right, that still tastes so good. <laughs> it actually doesn't taste that good. It tastes earthy. Yeah, it tastes like what you would think a root of an intoxicating pepper plant would taste like. I'm truth. I mean, I'm I'm dying to try it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally piqued my interest. Well, well, next time that you're out in the Pinellas County area of Florida, please let me know while you're staying with Muhammad. <laughs> um, <laughs> We, well, we would love to have you uh, swing by, and I will uh, definitely drink a shell or <laughs> nine with you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my bio worked wonders for my dating profile, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just a, you know, I, I grew up in Los Angeles in a in a apolitical Orthodox Jewish family. And uh, thought of firearms or I don't know how I transitioned to firearms. I'm just so used to it considering we haven't read <laughs> my book yet. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just a normal Jewish boy who grew up in Los Angeles, grew up doing photography, um, and just going through life trying to figure out what I wanted to do until I found my true calling in writing. Yeah. So. You have uh, siblings? I do. I have an older brother who I like to joke is a communist because he married a girl from Canada. <laughs> I have a younger brother who I love dearly, but he married like an ultra feminist and she's awesome. I mean, she's amazing with my kids. I love yeah, her. Yeah. Um, but you know, we don't see eye to eye on, um, everything. Um, and then I have a, a, a baby sister who's not really a baby anymore. She's 27 and, uh, I'm oh. super close with her. She, she, she's the one that married, right. Married a nice conservative guy and takes good care of her. So Yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice. Is he Jewish? He is. Yes. Okay, so your family married other Jewish. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't. We didn't marry outside the faith. Or, uh, Orthodox. Uh, all of them Orthodox. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's I always heard. That's how you guys are. Yeah, we. You know. And and yeah, ortho- pretty much. Orthodox Jews are are usually. Is that here? That's here. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I don't know if you heard that. There's an ambulance that. Oh, no, I've heard it. It's because of the stuff you were drinking. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Aren't Orthodox Jews typically apolitical? Even in Israel? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, you know, a lot of, for example, in Israel, a lot of the paper, I'm sorry, the people in the parliament there are are Orthodox Jews. Uh Um, you, You know, you do have... Some people who were Orthodox Jews, uh, Joe Lieberman from Connecticut, he was an Orthodox Jew, although a little more on the modern side, but he was an Orthodox Jew. Um, yeah, I mean, Orthodox Jew are, are, they are involved in politics, just not necessarily, you know, holding seats in Congress or the Senate or, you know, state reps or anything like that. So, you know, I, I know a lot of Orthodox Jews who are very involved Um I mean, look, like I like I mentioned a few minutes ago, one of my closest friends, a, a guy I grew up with, Ben Shapiro, was an Orthodox Jew. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you can't get more involved in politics than he is. So. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> That's right. Very yeah. true. Um, just well, hearing that still makes me smile. Even yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. He said it there again, and it's just like that. So, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I um, I know all about um, liberal Jews from the religious sense. 
um, and how typically conservative Jews, also from the religious sense, and Orthodox Jews don't see with them an eye to eye, to eye um, from a religious sense and uh, probably a political sense too. But how about you, Orthodox Jews and conservative Jews? Do you guys tend to agree on a lot of things? Yeah, a lot of because of conserv because conservatism in many facets is based on Judeo-Christian values. A lot of the mindset are the same. A lot of Orthodox Jews tend to be more right of center rather than. I mean, not, they're not going to be maybe not necessarily as you know Tea Party right wing as some people, but Orthodox Jews tend to be a lot more right of center than. The conservative movement or the reform movement. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. Um, well, tell us about your book. That's why we're here. Yeah, um, yeah. So I wrote a book um, called Safety On, and it's an introduction to the world of firearms for children. Uh huh. And the reason why I wrote it is, you know, at the time I started writing it, I had two kids, and. Back in L.A., I did own three firearms, and I kind of kept it for my parents just because I didn't need that Jewish guilt uh, that you always hear about, you know, uh, yeah. hanging over me. And my younger brother one day let slip that I owned a Glock 19, and my parents kind of freaked out. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and it got me thinking, like, as a responsible adult who owns firearms – I'm the one that's going to be teaching my kids about firearm safety. So obviously I don't want the media or Hollywood to be teaching my kids. So I started looking into it. And you have some great programs out there that really do uh, you know, great things with firearm safety. But there was, no, there, there was no book where I can just sit down with my kids and just read a book about firearm safety that was engaging to them. So I set out to write it uh, with the help of a really good friend of mine who's in the Los Angeles Police Department, um, coaching me along the way and really helping me and guiding me. Um, I wrote a book on gun safety, and thank God it's been doing pretty well. Yeah, I actually um, got a chance to read the book uh, just moments before the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's really informative and written to a kid's perspective. So for me, that was perfect. Yeah, he because likes reading children books. I do, I do. I've, I The... <laughs> The, the the twins yeah uh tuttle twins the tuttle twins i love the tuttle twins books so i mean if you give me a book that's going to be informative teach me about you know <laughs> really really basic things and throw in great illustrations i'm gonna read it yeah uh, what, yeah which you know quick segue for you and the viewers um if you i don't know have you heard of the tuttle twins I have. I've never had the chance to read it. A, a bunch of people have told me I should really get my hands on them. Yeah, oh, they're great. <laughs> they I are so good. On, I do plan on doing that as soon as <laughs> I have some extra money to spare. But um, I, I've heard they're very good books. They are. Yeah, they take a lot of uh, traditional, well, like classical, uh, li- uh, cl- classical liberal, um, what you call it, uh, literature, and they just put it in a children's book form. It, they're really fun to read. Yeah, they're great. But yeah, and they're for children, you know, because they're going to be probably indoctrinated when they get to schools and stuff. So we got to do what we can with our kids in, in the home setting to set them on the right path. Exactly. AKA indoctrinate them when they're younger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> All right. just, just clarifying that for a second. <laughs> 
Wait, so are you allowed, are you allowed to own guns in Los Angeles? So you are. It's a it's a pain in the butt to get them. Well, to get a handgun, you actually have to take a thirty question test, uh, multiple choice test to get a permit to own the handgun. Uh huh. Um, it really, if you fail that test, you don't deserve to own a handgun uh, <laughs> because you're just an absolute idiot. So, uh-huh. um, so you are allowed to get it. Long guns, shotguns, ARs, that kind of stuff. Um, you can just get it. You don't necessarily, you don't need a permit for it. But California does have a 10 day waiting period. Okay. Wow. Where you might get uh, shot in between. <laughs> well, yeah, or you know, the, the, the of course their mindset is it's a cool down period, you know, because I'm obviously buying a firearm to go kill somebody. So <laughs> yeah, they you buy the firearm and you have to pick it up ten days later, hoping that you rethink your life decisions and <laughs> you can go pick it up. Um, the stupid thing is, again. I could be mistaken about all this because I've been out of L.A. for three years now, so I don't know. They've passed so many draconian laws now. I don't know what everything is. This is I'm going based on when I live there. Um, it's just ridiculous because if I own one firearm and then I want to go buy a new one, I have to wait another 10 days to pick that one up. And wow. I'm, it's like, like what, why? Like if I'm going to go kill somebody, I already have a firearm. Why? Yeah. I it, didn't think about that actually. Yeah. It's just – I mean it's just – it's liberal – the massism. I don't I mean, I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can, you can see that with all the, uh, cities and states that have these super strict gun laws, like New York, California, Illinois, specifically Chicago, and looking at the, um, murder rates there and gang violence, uh, armed robberies, the, uh, the statistics are severely against the people over there than it is for from states like you know Oklahoma, Kentucky, Texas, you know, gu- gu- uh, uh, constitutional carry states and other easier to get guns in states like here. You can just walk in and buy a gun. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. spent I spent a month in Chicago this summer, and um... thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> And all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I spent a month there, and I was kind of getting an itchy trigger finger. I'm like, okay, I'm in Chicago. I got to go shooting if I'm here, right? <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to go to this gun range, but to go shooting in Chicago, you have to have something called a Ford card. And if you and if you don't have this Ford card, and let's say I'm just some random guy who walks into a gun range there. I have to spend an extra whatever amount is. I think I, I heard it was around 50 bucks to go and have an instructor with me just to go shoot a gun there. Yeah. And, and my mind is like, what the hell? I carry a gun with me everywhere I go. I train. I go to the range all the time. I wrote a freaking book on gun safety for children, but I still need to pay an extra 50 bucks to go get an instructor. I'm like, no, thank you. I'll just, you know. If I really, if I really wanted to go shooting, you can just go to the south side there. It's the country's largest uh, outdoor gun range, so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but no, I, I survived. My wife survived. My kids survived, and it's good to be back in real America. So, <laughs> you grew up in Israel. I didn't grow up in Israel. I, I grew up in Los Angeles, but I, I lived in Israel for two years. I was in school there. Did you ever? So you, you never had to serve. 
I didn't. Um, I was very close to doing it, but you know, you always hear people like, "Oh yeah, I was so close to doing it, but then I couldn't." Do it. No, you know, I I I was going to do it, but I probably chickened out um, at the time. If I had to do it again, I probably would do it. Um, okay. I mean, it's much easier said than done, but you know, I have a lot of friends who served in the Israeli army. I have a lot of friends who served in the American armed forces and you know, I, I support the hell out of them. Um, I just, I didn't do it. Yeah, no, that's fine, man. Like, trust me, it's not for everybody. Yeah. And I think most veterans will say the same thing. We don't judge people whether they did something or not, you know, especially not that. Right. Besides a lot of it's, uh, it's pretty dangerous. And on top of that, uh, people judge you no matter what kind of military you're in anyways. Like I get judged all the time. He gets judged all the time. Uh, IDF soldiers definitely get judged all the time. Um, sometimes by me, but not, on, but on an individual basis. Um, you and I have not talked much about this topic, uh, but let's go a little bit off topic on, on guns. What, what is, um, what's your opinion on, uh, I guess, how do we get peace in the Middle East when it comes to the biggest issue over there of Palestinians and Israelis? What is the best thing that you think should be done? And um, just so you know, like, be, you can be honest. We're not we're, we're very nonjudgmental here. And I'm definitely not. So, right. No, I understand. Um, I mean, look, every time we try having a ceasefire with them, you know, I'm saying Israel we get rockets and they wrote and all these other cities across Israel. I mean, there is, there's not going to be peace. There's two ways of achieving peace in Israel in the Middle East. A, Israel just packs on up and finds somewhere else to live. Which, I mean, yeah. Which is not going to happen. It's not. No. Or B, Israel just goes into Gaza and just levels it all. Yeah. And unfortunately, in, in today's world, you know, Every, you know, Netanyahu would be thrown into prison in the Hauk for however many years for war crimes. But you're not going to have peace in the Middle East. It's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. No matter how hard you try, it's not going to happen. There will always be people in the Middle East who do not want peace. And Well, well yeah, you – go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say you remember after the Yom Kippur War – when uh, Sadat made peace with the one dude that I always forget his name. Um, Jesus, what's his name? Jesus Jesus was also Jewish. I don't think that Um, was his name. (laughs) Um, Is it, it's not Barack. Um, Rabin. Rabin. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. Both of them were killed by the fanatics of their own people for making peace with the other side. And I always think that's so sad, man. Um, and th- I think that's one issue that we really, like, I wish the people in the Middle East could come together and, and finally uh, figure out because, like, like my opinion of it, I, I wish that we can have a two, I want a two-state solution, even with, with the even with the borders they're at right now. Like, I don't, I don't care about get, getting back the lands, you know, from the, uh, whatchamacallit, six-day war. I, I don't even care. I just want it to all be over. And it's, to me, it's so sad, man, because, like, uh, I like reading about history. I'm a student of history. And, like, it, 
it, it always confuses me because uh, throughout history, um, up until the last 100 years, Muslims and Jews didn't have any problems with each other. And Jews were all over the Middle East. Um, Muslims, like, helped Jews escape during World War II. Uh, during the Crusades, you know, like, Muslims helped defend Jews. Uh, the Jews uh, in, in Spain but during the Inquisition, you know, the, the Jewish Golden Age under the, the Moorish Empire. So, like, we never had those issues until, like, now with, with, with what happened. And... You know, I, I personally, like, wish this wasn't going on because we see eye to eye on a lot of things. Our religion is even sort of built the same. We are a work, work-based work faith in Islam and Judaism where, like, we have to do good deeds to, you know, to for God to judge us well. Um, and I just wish that stuff was, didn't happen, man. Like, up until now, like, the outside Israel, the... Uh, Iran has the largest Jewish population. Uh, I'm sorry, in the Middle East, outside Iran. Uh, oh, gee, oh, I'm all over the place. Outside Israel, <laughs> in the Middle East, Iran has about seventy thousand Jewish people, and it's the largest in the Middle East. After that, it's like Morocco. That's at like five thousand. So, like, obviously, we got along for a long time, and it wasn't until the creation of the state that all these problems started and um, the Arabs made a really bad choice and a big mistake when they decided to kick out all of their uh, Jewish citizens out of their countries and just send them off to Israel when that happened when at the time it seemed like a lot of them didn't care one way or the other because it was a lot of the um, uh, Ashkenazi type uh, European Jews that were moving into Palestine, you know, and I, I, I look at it as, you know, what's done is done, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. I, I, I like to think it, it sucks that that happened, uh, but it did happen. And now you have a lot of these, uh, a, a lot of Israelis there now, a lot of Jewish people. And I don't think it's fair at all to kick any of them out. Like, you're just going to go from one mistake to another mistake, from one problem uh, to another problem, one, quote unquote, if you want to say disenfranchised to another set of disenfranchised people, if you're somehow able to kick all the Jews out of there. And I'm I'm not for that. I've, I, I used to be back in the day, like I used to be pretty closed minded um, or maybe un- unenlightened. Is that the word? That could be the word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot of Jewish friends when I was younger and, you know, like, you know, I heard what I heard when, cause I was a little Arabic Muslim kid growing up. Um, but then I met a lot of Jewish people here and then I served with a lot of Jewish people. One of my best friends is a Spaniard Jew. I met, a <laughs> an Israeli girl that was in the United States, uh, army with me. Um, and I got a lot of love for, for Jewish people now. Like a lot of them are so cool. And like I said earlier before the show, uh, a lot of the biggest names, uh, and libertarianism. yeah, libertarianism, especially Austrian school, and obviously the father of Chicago school, like they're all Jewish. So like, it's so sad, man, that uh, this this is the one issue, in my opinion, to get peace is like how to f- figure out what to do with 
these the Palestinians and Israelis, you know, like I I you know, I agree, man. Like I used to I used to be a hardcore just supporter of any and everything Palestinian, you know. And after a while I I, I just started thinking to myself, well, why are they doing that? Like why why are they always just shooting off rockets randomly? Well, you know, I'm like that's stupid like if they're trying to talk to you or if they're not doing anything why are you why are you doing that so yeah i don't particularly like to blame just one side any longer i just wish either side was able or both sides were able to just finally come together and make some peace you know i hear that yeah like i said i think most of israel would love to have peace but it's not going to happen and unfortunately it's a one-sided demand for peace uh, despite what you know, the media portrays. Yeah. Uh, so it's either Israel moves or we level Gaza, and I don't think yeah. any of those are going to happen. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope it. Uh, I'll tell you this. I. I'm going to go against you here and say I really hope you're wrong, and that we do get peace. Oh, don't get me wrong. I would love to have peace. I just don't believe it's actually going to happen. Okay, okay, okay. It, it would be it would be great if it did. Yeah. But I mean, look at history in the last you know since 1948. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's it's not going to happen. There's been many times where Israel's willing to do something, but every time they do, you might have a two three month ceasefire, but then all of a sudden you have a, a, a just a whole barrage of rockets and suicide attacks and i mean look even now it's been non-stop stabbings every every mm-hmm. other day you hear of uh stabbing in israel and it's unfortunately you have these 17 18 19 year old uh even 25 year old uh um you know palestinians who just come in and stab whoever they want and then they get taken down and yeah it's unfortunately and, but but then again at the same time when the palestinian government is paying those people 32 $3,200 a month for being martyrs. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting peace that way. No. And that's the first step is you got to get re- – I mean, you have to change the the political mindset of the Palestinian people. Otherwise, this is not going to happen. I think, the, I think the first step is to get rid of all the hate. Um, I can't speak for the uh, other side, I guess. Um, but – uh a lot of arabic people spe- well muslims specifically that i know like have this blind hate for any and everything that's israeli and i think it's sad and i wish a lot of them could get out of it and i've met you know asshole israelis too and jewish people and asshole jews like that too uh it's a definitely minority on I would say on your or on on the Jewish side, like uh, from my side, man, I see so much hate, and I wish they could you know, like stop thinking like that. That's the first thing to do is to get Muslims to start looking to Israelis and Jewish people as humans, uh, and that we need to sit down and and talk about the actual problem, you know. But from what it seems like happening right now, like it's not going anywhere because. The the only thing to keep thinking about is, you know, this guy's my enemy. And, like, you can't just go through the rest of your life uh, talking about the problem and thinking about it like that. 
But, we um, have gotten so far off the topic of gun safety. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, I was not prepared for this one at yeah. all, even though I should have been expecting it. <laughs> nah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, it's an important topic, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so how many guns do you have? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm still a novice. I only own five. <laughs> only. Only own five. That's... There's a liberal listening right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just made a couple, you know, heads. I only, only own five. five. Oh my what? God. He's a warmonger. He owns five guns. I'm like, dude, my friend owns like 34, and that's even nothing. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you, have you actually, like, taken your children out to I'm – sure, I'm assuming you have. I don't know how old your children are. Um, my children, no, they, I don't, my son, I believe is ready. Um, I just haven't had a chance. I was going to take him out when he turned 10, uh, I'm sorry, when he turned eight, he turned eight two weeks ago. Um, I just haven't had a chance. Uh, school just started and had to get back in the swing of things. Um, my daughter is definitely not mature enough and she's not ready to shoot yet, uh-huh. but both my kids have copies of my book in their bed. And, you know, my son came home from camp one day and he goes, dad, I don't understand it. We went laser tagging today, and why was why was I the only boy walking with his finger off the trigger? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm like, yeah, it's called trigger discipline. It follows you everywhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so I, I'm proud of him for doing that, and just I haven't had a chance to take them yet. So it's yeah. definitely gonna happen soon. Have you ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down? Uh, it's, in my opinion, the greatest war movie ever <laughs> created, and in my five of all time. Do you remember? I'm gonna. Yes, have, yeah, thank I'm, you. That's where I was going. This, this is my safety. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's the movie that got me to enlist in the army. Really? Yeah, because I, I was like, I have, I was like, I have to be a ranger medic. Like that's all I wanted to be. <laughs> yeah, that. The guy that. My top five of all time. Yeah, I, I love that movie. The guy that uh, said that. Yeah. This is my safe. My finger is my safety. He trained my buddy. Uh, at, when he became part of the Secret Service, oh, he, wow. he was he was his trainer. Yeah, and he was like the the, the actual the, not Delta? not yeah not Eric Bana who played the guy, but the guy he was playing. That, Norm Hoot. What it was it? His name's Norm Hooten. Yes, yes. Yeah. He was like yeah Norm Hooten. I was like I don't know who that is. He goes, did you see Black Hawk Down? I was like yeah, and he just did this, and I went oh that guy got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like yes, that's so cool. Because that's the single greatest line, like of yeah. that movie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I've had a, a, a recent debate uh, in between me and somebody else, and I've seen this a lot on Facebook. That's how debates work. Tell, yeah, t- yeah. Tell me, what is your opinion on? Because I don't know, I don't know why people ask this question. Like, is is open carry better, or is concealed carry better? I don't know if you've ever heard of this question before but what's your opinion on open carry versus concealed um well first off i because i believe the actual words of the second amendment i'm a big firm i'm a big believer firm believer of shall not be infringed Mm -hmm. so i am in favor of constitutional carry but in terms of open carry you know we just got open carry a little over a year and a half ago in texas and I, I'll never forget that, you know, Moms Demand Action, I think it was, and all those left-leaning anti-liberal uh, nut jobs, they were all saying, oh, blood is going to run through the streets of Texas with open carry. 
I think I've seen one person open carry in a year and a half. Uh huh. Um, I'm definitely pro it. I'm pro it for two reasons. A, I'm short, and my wife is short. So if my wife says, "Hey, you know, we're at Walmart. Can you go grab that thing from the top shelf there?" and I step on my tippy toes and my shirt comes up and you know I expose my my Glock that I carry with me. Well, beforehand I could have gotten in serious trouble. Now brandishing. Um, also, if I just w- want to wear a T-shirt of some sort, and you know you see a little printing, um, you could have gotten in trouble for that. Now, you know, you don't have to. Um, on the flip side, I'm I do not open carry because I'm afraid that, for example, if I go to say a Walgreens and I'm open carrying, and some guy comes to rob the place, I now become the first target. If if I don't get a drop on the guy which I'm not expecting a guy to rob the place so he would get a drop on me, I become the first target. Having the yeah. element of surprise is always better. So, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, so I'm like I said, if you want to open carry, hey, man, I'm, I'm in favor of it. By all means, do it. I will support you for it. It's just not my thing, and I won't open carry. So, Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I've always been a fan. Personally, I'm a fan of open carry. Yeah, it, uh, it's the same thought on you know racists and everything else. Like, I want to know who it is that has the weapon. Yeah, like I really do. Yeah. So, like, I'm a fan of open carry. Um, it's not that I think that somebody carrying a gun is going to be dangerous, or there's just a good chance that if I see somebody with a gun on their hip, I'm going to think that person probably knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Which could or could not be true, but yeah, if it comes down to it, I'm going to hope he does. <laughs> So uh, that's why it's like, you know, if there ever is a situation where uh, a situation where gunplay has to come involved, which mm-hmm. I hope I'm never actually in another situation that that happens. Like if somebody's there with a gun on their hip, I'm going to say, hopefully that guy knows what he's doing right now because yeah. he's who I'm hiding behind. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I don't carry. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I got uh, I happen to get rid of my gun a year ago um because i was suicidal um and uh i have like i got you know just depression anxiety stuff from from the military um so i got rid of mine uh until i'm ready i I, until i feel like i'm mentally prepared to start having a weapon again i don't want to have to make a mistake where i have a pistol like that around um so should veterans that have PTSD, depression, anxiety, uh, be barred from purchasing and keeping firearms? And um, how am I? How do I want to phrase that one? Um, well, let's just go with that first. Do you think that veterans should be barred? I definitely don't think veterans should be barred. Um, it's a very sore subject because, you know, on one hand, you do have these people who literally, some of them giving giving their life for our freedoms. Um, then you have others who come back who, who are truly suffering from some sort of PTSD. And I don't want, you know, I, I don't want anything bad to happen to those veterans. You know, they, I think, what was it, 22 veterans a day? Yes. So... Obviously, I would want that veteran to have the least possible ways of them committing suicide. Um, that said, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. 
I, I don't I've never dealt with someone who has P sorry with PTSD, so I can't really make that call and, and I wouldn't make that call. What I would say is, you know, depending on how PTSD is, you know, it that would be that would be basically a call for um, a family member, a psychiatrist, so, something along those lines. But I'm not gonna. I, I'm not. I'm not medically inclined enough to make any decisions on whether or not a veteran suffering from PTSD should own a firearm. And again, because there's, I'm guessing there's different levels of PTSD. Yeah. So because of that, you know, I'm not going to say, well, if you're, and, and this is, I'm just throwing this out. I don't know how it works. So please, you're good. A, a, anyone listening, I apologize. Um, if let's say someone's at a level five and that's the highest level, then should they have one? I have no idea. It's up to, you know, that psychiatrist, like I said, psychiatrist, family members. But if someone's at a level one, then obviously they're not as big of a threat. So it really, you know, it really depends on family members to look into it and, um, you know, if people really, I mean, I know it's not easy to detect if someone is having PTSD. They try try to keep it. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we try to talk about it. Right. Um, which is, you know, unfortunate because, you know, there are so many people out there, people like me and I'm, I'm sure millions of other Americans are like, Hey man, you need a crying shoulder, work here for you, whatever it is. But yeah, I can't make that call on whether or not a veteran with PTSD should um, own firearms or not. Yeah. What 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 is your opinion on f- uh, convicted felons who are now out of prison on owning firearms? Well, the law is the law. You know, you forfeit your right once you're a convicted felon. You forfeit your right to own a firearm. I mean. You should have thought about what you did beforehand. So um, I don't think convicted felons should be allowed. That, I mean, that's that's the law. Even if, even if it's a felony that had nothing to do with like a weapon or anything like that. As in, you know, drugs, for example. Or I was gonna some, I was going to say right? like uh, embezzling or something like that. Yeah, you know, some, some white collar crime kind of thing. Yeah, that uh, that, that was more where I was leaning. I mean, it, again, it's a tough one. You know, it's yeah. the law is the law. If you're a convicted felon, you, uh, you know, you can ask the same thing. Uh, isn't convicted felons not allowed to vote anymore? Yeah, uh, they that, can reapply right? after seven years. Yeah, they can reapply after. Okay, so you know, if maybe let them reapply after maybe not. I would say more than seven years for a gun permit, but maybe that's something that should be looked into rather than just, you know, barring it. But obviously, depending on the crime. Yeah. If if you have anything like, you know, obviously murder, of course not, but anything like robbery or drugs, you know, yeah, I don't think they should own it. They they forfeit their right. Just part of life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's very fair. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I okay. What I was gonna say. No, you're good. You're good. Um, actually, I was going to say that your kid has better, uh, trigger, what, what'd you call it? Trigger discipline. Trigger, trigger, discipline. trigger discipline than Diane Feinstein. <laughs> <laughs> I think my kid, I think my kid has, my eight year old has better trigger discipline than, 
what is it, one third of the country who right. are liberals. <laughs> <laughs> when she came out doing that, when she came out for that press conference and she had her finger on the trigger, I was like, well, that's not, no, that's, that's just wrong. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. I think, I think there was another, uh, some press conference, I forgot where, maybe some kind of gun buyback program. And they had all the guns laid out on the table um, in front of the podium where I don't remember who was speaking. And everyone is hailing this mayor or whoever it was. It's like, oh, look at all these gun buyback programs. He's making this, uh, the streets all safe and stuff. But all the guns were pointed at the reporters. <laughs> they weren't to the left or to the right, like away from, you know, a, yeah. keep the barrel away from whatever you're going to shoot. It's just like. You're saying you're like, are you kidding me? Like you're hailing this guy's gun safety, and here you have sixty guns pointed right at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, liber- liberalism is a mental disorder. I- I'm so firmly in belief of that. It just people just have no brains. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, speaking of that, what well, I mean, do you get confused by like li- like? Now, politically speaking, liberal Jews, like, what are they thinking? Right? We don't. We don't like to own them. <laughs> we don't. We don't. Uh, no, no. Um, no, a Jew is a Jew. No, but mm-hmm. uh, liberal Jews. God, um, that's that's a whole podcast in itself. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially the ones who are you know anti-gun and yes. Dude, did you not see what happened like 65, 70 years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, Hitler literally came in, in pow- into power, registered all their guns, confiscated all their guns, and killed them with the guns that they just confiscated. Just like, uh, it, it boggles the mind. I mean, I lost over 30 relatives in the Holocaust. And, you know, um, I don't know if you saw that meme that I made. I, I, I have a, because uh, now, you know, liberals across the country are all, clamoring like oh we got to take down this statue and that statue and we're now firing espn reporters because they ha- their names are robert lee but he's asian mm-hmm. and so you know, i mean it's just it's ridiculous and i remember when i went to europe when i went to poland um i was at uh auschwitz and i found a 50 cent coin on the floor it's been there for 60 years and then you know i looked down I'm looking at a swastika and you know at this point in my life i have it not because, you know, I mean, one, I mean, for three reasons. A, remind me of where my people came from. Yes. B, to remind me of how my people survived. And C, to send a big F you to Hitler. Yeah. Hey, man, your 1,000-year Reich is not here, and I am. Yeah. So, you know, instead of whining like a bunch of little babies and, oh, we got to tear down this statue and that statue, like – as I tell my kids, cowboy up. Use it to your advantage. It makes you stronger and instead of making you guys look like a bunch of little weenies. <laughs> well, <laughs> what do you think makes – Did, uh, did lib- you start using cowboy up before you moved to Texas or was that a post – I did. I did. I once heard – I was when I first started getting into uh, um, politics, uh, one of the first people I found on AM radio happened to be Glenn Beck. And at at the time, you know, this was already nine years ago. A lot's changed. Um, I don't listen to him that much anymore. I still like him, like his stuff. I just don't listen to him as much. Um, so he was talking about how he had a big Nerf gun battle with his son and with Marcus Luttrell. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
and they were all out and playing Nerf guns and stuff like that. And I believe Marcus shot Glenn's son in the head with a Nerf, uh, you know, dart. And his son started crying, and Glenn was making a point saying, you know, a lot of times, you know, your son gets hurt, but you got to teach him that it's okay, you just get back up. He goes, and, like, he's holding his son, rubbing his back, and, you know, everything's going to be okay. Because all of a sudden, this six-foot-five former Navy SEAL who just shot this kid in the head with a Nerf dart stands up over him and goes, hey, man, you better cowboy up because I'm reloading and going to do it again. And and at that point, Glenn said, um, you know, my son immediately stopped crying, grabbed his Nerf gun, and ran away. And it's just a mindset, you know, you, you got to toughen kids up nowadays. So I've been using that for a while. My, my kids get hurt. Uh, if my daughter gets hurt, I tell her to cowgirl up. <laughs> my son gets hurt, I tell her to cowboy up. And um, surprisingly, it actually works. Yeah. The Red Sox used to say that back in 2003 and 2004, which is <laughs> how I know that phrase. <laughs> And you're right about toughening kids up, especially with, you know, like your kids. Because, um, like, when I, when I, we moved here, I was born in 89 here, and then we moved back to Egypt, came back in 99. And a year later, uh, 9-11, uh, well, like a year and a half later, 9-11. And, uh, man, I got picked on hardcore. And I was like. You still get picked on hardcore. <laughs> yeah, but now I can just, like, brush it off. Um, but like, dude, I got picked on hardcore and not just me, like actually other Jewish kids for some reason. Um, but yeah, you're, you're like, you got to teach your kids to be tough because like they might, they might get some mean jokes thrown at them from somebody that watched, uh, God, what's that one movie? I think the guy's name is Sasha Cohen or something that, Huh? Borat. 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 Yeah, like somebody watched Borat and they want to say some silly joke to their to their kids, you know, and uh, I'm sorry, to to your kids. And, you know, they don't know how to deal with it because they're not, you know, like tough enough. Then that wouldn't be the greatest time. Like it. it, it go ahead. You, you have you can you can just have a good time with it. You know what? Literally that that famous phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, I mean, we were joking before here and Matt, I don't know if you ended up actually putting the the headline on the picture we took i did a little i i I changed one of the words but i because <laughs> i was not going to call myself that <laughs> fair enough but i'm saying like you know we, we can all joke around and you know i mean especially if anyone follows muhammad and i on facebook i mean dude we're making muslim jew jokes all day and <laughs> right it just, hey you know it just I mean, obviously, I know you don't mean it, and you know I don't mean it. Of course, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. You know, since I wrote my book and stuff like that, I mean, I've had names being called at me, and it's just like, all right, good, call me what you want. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, like just fine with me. You know, I mean, look, my wife calls me an idiot all the time, and I'm still married to her, right. so <laughs> just so you know, it's it's all good. Just cowboy up, toughen up. <laughs> life life throws curveballs at you, just. Suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, right. <laughs> my my friend Sophia uh, said some. She said something mean, like it was really mean about Taylor Swift. So like I wasn't having any of that. So I said uh, I told her that I take every single nice thing I've ever said about Jewish people. She's she's Jewish. She's been Israel and all. <laughs> but I had to message her and like tell her like it's 2017, man. Like you 
even though she's conservative and all that, like I still got to worry about like how someone takes your jokes. I was like, you know, I was joking just so you know, <laughs> I don't really, I'm not, I don't really take back everything I've ever said about Jewish people. <laughs> you defend Taylor Swift, like with all of the gusto of somebody defending their sister that somebody's talking bad about. Well, she's, she's our queen, man. She's not, she's not <laughs> even close to that. <laughs> You can you can you can have Taylor Swift. I'm a Carrie Underwood guy. She she's a queen. Oh yeah, no, I love Carrie Underwood. Yeah, Carrie Underwood. She's a, she's a queen. You didn't say Katy Perry, so I'm okay with this. <laughs> oh no, oh, oh thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think the only song of Katy Perry's that I know is the "I Kissed a Girl" one, and that's because of the controversy uh-huh. when it first came out. But besides that, you can play me a hundred songs all Katy Perry and say which one was Katy Perry I'd be like I have no idea <laughs> right <laughs> well hey speaking of music so like he knows I'm a big metal head I always like play yeah. metal when I'm walking in here just to force him to enjoy some um, it's not enjoy it's not me enjoying <laughs> it it's me putting up with it yeah <laughs> have you ever heard of the uh, the Israeli band Orphaned Land I think you told me about them oh maybe yeah. okay um, maybe I did to be honest, I feel like I tell the, all my Jewish friends about them. <laughs> yeah, but just, I mean, it's not. It's I'm not the biggest heavy metal fan. I mean, I like more. If I'm going to be listening to like rock, it's going to be a lot more, you know, classic rock. Okay, that's that's a lot more my style. Yeah, uh, so you're more of a softy. Yeah, you can call me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um. Says the guy who owns no guns. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I just I, I'm a lot more of like classic rock. If I'm going to listen to any rock, um, maybe every now and then I'll hear some kind of heavy metal that I like. Uh-huh. But overall, um, yeah, I'm country guy, classic rock, and not yeah. Taylor Swift or Katy Perry. Yeah. Ta- and let me tell you something. Yes. Taylor Swift, not country. Sorry. No, not even a little <laughs> not bit. Not even a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm not, not, not going to argue against that. Yeah, definitely not country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Texas has definitely grown on you a little bit. <laughs> so you're a Republican? I am. I'm thinking about just registering as an independent because the Republican Party doesn't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Very it's true. Kind of the, it's kind of like the pseudo liberal party. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I just haven't had a chance to do it yet. I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to do it. But I will tell you, every time I get called to ask, um, they call or send me email about giving them money. I send some really funny responses. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally troll them. So you know, who it's good times? Who was your uh, choice back in 2015, 2016 when the primary was still in full swing? Um, I happen to be a Ted Cruz guy. Oh, uh, that's good. That's okay. That's I'm good. a bit. Yeah, I'm a big. I'm a big Cruz guy. Um, happens to be. I'm kind of almost. I mean, the way Scott Walker's been running Wisconsin, man, I really hope he runs again. That would be. The guy's just phenomenal. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Doesn't take crap from anybody, and unlike our current commander in chief, who you know has his good days and bad days, just. You know, Scott Walker is just so much more elegant in yeah. the way he does it. So, um, you know, I, I would I would like to see a Scott Walker ticket. Um, don't know with who, but 
and the guy knows what he's doing. Uh-huh. So, what about um? Were you a fan of all of Rand? Um, you know, Rand was good. I, I definitely like Rand Paul. Um, I'm really not as I'm not into the whole isolationist thing as he is. I mean, I know he's not so into it, in, at least not as much as his father. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, you, you can't be an isolationist. You just can't. Okay. Um, in today's day and, day and age, you just I'm not talking about going in and building nations or you know stuff like that. But you know, Team America, World Police. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta be around. There's a reason why we're here, and you know, obviously we have to take of our citizens first, take uh-huh. care of our citizens first. But um, but overall, I mean, I put it this way: if Rand won or runs again, I would definitely have no problem voting for him okay so you just wouldn't be necessarily my first choice yeah no understandable um we try to use non-interventionist i know that's the the big sticking point between whether it's isolationism or non-interventionism non-intervention okay there you go see i'm not a libertarian (laughs) (laughs) it's all good um well how about okay so for um well not for uh what would you like to see happen, uh, guns-wise, policy-wise, in this country uh, over the next few years? First and foremost, I would love to see the National Reciprocity Act get passed. That would be just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we road trip to Chicago from uh, from Texas, and you know it's unfortunate that you know I was able to bring my firearm into Oklahoma into Missouri, but the minute I would cross over Illinois state lines, I now become public enemy number one. Yeah. Uh, so I would love to see a National Reciprocity Act get passed, and I would like to see some of the things on the National Firearms Act, you know, like the uh, there's a big movement right now to get suppressors um, off the NFA, and that would be pretty awesome too. Uh-huh. If you can get those two things, that would just be a really big start. Um, and I know the National Reciprocity Act is there. Mm. And, you know, you have a bunch of pseudo-liberal Republicans who are too afraid of uh, losing their power. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't think it's going to get passed just because, you know, we need we need more, uh, you know, more Rand Paul's and Ted Cruz's and Mike Lee's. Yeah, Gomerts and, you know, people like that. We need a lot more of them in the House and the Senate. Um, And until we do, you know, I don't think you're going to get that much passed. So, yeah. Um, I had a few more questions. Oh, uh, yeah, because you just spoke about suppressors. Uh, Automatic weapons. What do you think? I think they're fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Band wise. Yeah, uh, but they are fun. I'm definitely, I'm definitely a fanboy of uh, automatic weapons. I've, I actually had the the luxury. Um, I went to Vegas and they had a great gun range there, and um, it was for my 30th birthday. My wife took me to Vegas, and she felt horrible, and I made her feel horrible because she didn't even get me a birthday card for my 29th birthday. So I told her when we go to the gun range, I'm spending whatever I want, and you can't say a word. So um, I definitely. I spent about $500 at this range. I shot a, a a package called the Private Ryan package. 
So I got to shoot all of these vintage World War II guns, like the M1 Garand and the Thompson and the Brown, you know, the Bar. Um, and that was just so much fun. They were all automatic, not the Garand, but they were all automatic. And that, you know, it was fun. I mean, um, I'm again, I, I'm one of those people shall not be infringed, you know? Yes. Uh, also, from what I've been told, and I, I know you, I mean, you guys are both veterans, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. So you guys are both veterans. So from what I've been told, most people in the military, they don't usually shoot automatic. Nope. At least that's what I was told. I mean, they, they'll shoot more in the three-round bursts because you have a lot more control. Yeah. Yes. Not even that when it comes to it. Not even that. Okay. So th- th- there you go. It's always semi. Uh, Semi-auto. Okay. So th- 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 there you go. You know, um, I've shot automatic. It's a lot of fun. I don't think if people would like to have it by all means do it mm-hmm. but i'm not i would i would never i would never shoot automatic if i ever you know if i had to yeah well we're gonna get ready to end the show here so i'm gonna give you a chance to sell your book to our liberal audience fair enough okay <laughs> Because you don't. After you, you insulted them so many times, go ahead. Sorry. They're used to it. I'm sure we have a few. We still have a bunch of them listening. Um, but I mean, thing is, you won't have. You don't have to uh, push too hard to sell a book like that. I think to conservatives and libertarians. So go ahead and sell it to liberals. Okay. Um, I would ask you this: if uh, if you take your child to a park and you look at your phone for one split second and your child goes behind the bush and finds a gun somewhere it's not supposed to be, you trust your child enough to do the right thing by not touching it, run away, and telling a grown-up. If the answer is yes, then good. You've apparently trained your child in safe in gun education. But if you're now thinking, hey, that's actually a good point, then you need to educate your child somehow on gun safety. And whether you're on the right side of the aisle or left side of the aisle – situations like this do occur accidents do happen and children do get killed this way so it depends on how you want to go about your life if you want your kid to risk to risk even having an accident whether you're anti-gun or pro-gun whether you want you know if you want that ability of making sure that your child is safe knowing what to do then i would suggest picking up a copy of my book it's not my book there's a lot of great uh organizations out there um, but my book is there to save lives and it, it, I agree. if I save one life, I've done my job. Yeah, no, no, and I definitely agree. Where can they pick up your book? Right now, the best place to get it is amazon.com. Okay. Um, there is a companion coloring book that come, you know, not comes along, but a separate purchase, but there's a companion coloring book and hopefully in the next two to three weeks, I will be able to start selling it on my website. If anyone wants signed copies, you can go to yehudareamer.com. Cool. And we will link that in our show notes yes. on uh, our website, yes. which happens to be muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. <laughs> well, let's, well, uh, let's th- end this up with a shelf. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We do appreciate it. If you want to hang on for just a minute so we can do our closing, we can talk to you a little bit more afterwards. Cool. Sounds good. Excellent. Cool. Once again, thank you to Low Tide Kava Bar for the uh, kava that we're going to drink today. If Muhammad could get the top off.
<laughs> okay, good. All right. Thank you to Little Tide Cava Bar. We will be there shortly uh, if anybody happens to be in town. Uh, thank you to everybody who's out there listening. Bula. Bula. Thank you to everybody who's out there listening, everybody who watched us live. Um, remember, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash muddied waters of freedom on Instagram at muddied waters of freedom or on Twitter at muddied underscore waters. Or like I said earlier, you can find us on the interwebs, the interhighway <laughs> at muddiedwatersoffreedom.com where you can pick up your very own muddied waters of freedom t-shirt. Yep. I almost said moneywatersoffreedom.com t-shirt. <laughs> it doesn't say .com on it, though. Uh, again, thank you all. Please like, please share, please tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody. And uh, Thank you for coming on, Yehuda. Remember, guys, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs>